Welcome to the Freedom to Learn podcast, exploring freedom, autonomy and social justice in education. This recording was made at the 2020 Freedom to Learn online forum. So the title of the uh, slideshow is Sand Tray and Story Making uh, by me, Carol Wibley, um, and I'm a certified play therapist. A little bit more about me. Oh, I can't see it because, uh, sorry, hang on. I've been a community artist for 20 years while my children were young. Um, and then more recently, I trained to be a play therapist with Peter UK. Um, and that was a three-year postgraduate training, which I completed uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, play therapy is generally non-directive uh, and it was while doing this training that I learned more about self-directed learning. Um, after looking at the psychology behind how children innately know how to heal if given the right conditions, it made sense that, the ch that children know what to do in their everyday lives as well. Um, both of my children are home educated, although they did start off at school. Um, and as we progress through home education, I and doing the play therapy as well, I realised that self-directed learning was definitely the way to go. So we've all been down quite a long and winding path to get to this point, but um, they're doing really well now. They're happy and they kind of know what they want to do most of the time. <laughs> So this presentation combines my experience of working creatively with children. Um, and when I did artwork with children, it became very obvious very early on that it was really important to let children um, do their artwork without too much adult intervention. There's nothing I hate more than somebody saying, well, you have to draw a horse and then an adult coming in and saying, well, that doesn't look like a horse, um, you know, and they draw it for them and they say, you know, oh, it has to look like this. It, I, so that was, uh, that was kind of the beginnings of my working towards allowing children and adults really to be able to express themselves in the way that they needed to. Um, along the way, through my journey, I became very fascinated by sand tray therapy which is what led me to become a play therapist uh, and my interest in what happens when we trust our children and give them the tools they need to explore their interests and passions um, is basically what's got me to where I am now. Um, I've more recently trained to do a thing called sand story skills um, and this presentation today is a kind of take on that it's not quite the same but it's it's very similar so uh, you know who is this for sand story skills um, is generally for anybody working with children but this talk is more aimed at home educators or people that run home educating groups uh, we'll have a look at what is it how does it work what resources would you need and what do you need to know and then also where it can lead when you're home educating, what other kind of things can you do leading on from it? Uh, I think I've already dealt with that. So yeah, anyone who works with children and young people and home educating families. Um, Sandtray storytelling fits comfortably with the ethos of self-directed learning for the reasons I've just talked about. 
Um, and sand tray and story making is suitable for those who are not therapists but want to support the creativity and well-being of the children and young people in their care. So what is sand tray and story making? It basically offers a creative way of allowing a personal story to surface without the needs for any words or writing. It provides a way of thinking by doing. So it's very much about the hands somehow innately knowing the story that they want to tell before they've even kind of had to engage their brain and actually think about what they're doing. It can be adapted to suit different environments. Um, it can be one-to-one -one or it can be very small groups. Um, and you can use a whole variety of, re of resources. It's not only a wonderful way to make stories, but it can help to ease children's anxieties. Um, and I think this could be particularly helpful in the times we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, I know there's a lot of children feeling quite anxious, um, particularly those that are going back to school, but even those that aren't, you know, there's obviously an awful lot that children have had to deal with. Um, and they may be holding quite a lot inside. So this kind of expression can really help ease that. So in a nutshell, excuse the photograph, <laughs> um, the child is invited to tell their story in a tray of sand using a variety of sort of miniature figures and various different objects, which I'll go into a bit more. The adult is there to listen to and reflect on and respond to the story. A basic structure is required to provide a safe space so that the story can be expressed. And the story has the potential to evolve organically into a variety of creative activities. The sand tray provides a contained space and therefore boundaries for a child to express their ideas freely. So sometimes kind of with any sort of free play or free expression, it can be helpful, particularly if it's something related to the emotions, that there is some sort of physical boundary um, and it just helps contain those feelings. The child or the young person shapes the sand to form some kind of landscape or a setting and then places miniature figures into the sand. This gives the child complete power over the world that they create and the platform to be able to tell their own story. So it's when they make that world in three dimensions in front of them, they kind of have this all-seeing, all-powerful kind of presence and control over what it is they're doing, um, which is very different to the kind of story writing that might take place at school or anywhere. So... A dialogue or attention will naturally occur between the figures placed in the sand, which lends itself to an organic process of storytelling. So as soon as there are, let's say, a couple of people placed in the sand, depending on that position within that frame, they'll immediately be starting to tell a story just by their positioning. So, you know, they might be back to back. There might be one in each corner. There might be a little circle of uh, a group of them in the middle and one on the outside. And immediately you start to have the beginnings of all sorts of different ideas for storytelling. 
then once the story is told and listened to, it may develop into a need to record the story using a variety of creative processes. Writing a story can be really challenging for some children, as not only do they have to kind of come up with the ideas, put them into some sort of order, try to find the right words, develop the characters and a plot and all of the other things that comes with actually writing stories. But sand tray storytelling allows the ideas, emotions and stories within a child to surface and to become visible. The three-dimensional nature of this kind of storytelling encourages a rich content to the stories told. So the actual being able to actually see what it is that's going on inside you and it's made visible in three dimensions is a really, really valuable experience because you can then move it, change it, play around with it and actually develop whatever ideas you start with. The story can unfold naturally and then other skills can be developed. This can happen when the child's need to communicate and improve upon their ideas. It drives them to seek out the skills needed. So it may be that a child plays in the sand and, and has, makes a little story, and that's it. There's every chance that that would be the case. But very often, children do have a need. If they're proud of what they've done, if they really love what they've done, they may want to find other ways of continuing that story. So how does it work? Um, it might be useful really to understand kind of the differences of playing with sand in different situations. So you may, obviously there's playing in the sand and this is the kind of play that you would see at, at, in a sand pit basically. So digging and sieving and pouring the sand or even building a sandcastle at the beach. A child might be playing alone with friends or with an adult. And this kind of play is sensory and exploratory. And it would be defined as free play. So purely, you know, about the textures of the sand and just messing about with it and seeing what it does and what they can do with it. Sand tray or sand play therapy, which is kind of at the other end of the spectrum. Um, I'd, you may or may not know something about it, and I'll very try to sum it up quite briefly. Um, the child or the young person or adult works in the sand with a safe therapeutic relationship um, using a sand tray and a collection of carefully selected symbols so that they can address conscious and unconscious difficulties. So conscious is all the stuff that you know in your head and you've had thoughts about it and you're very aware of those difficulties and the unconscious is stuff that you're probably not aware of, but you, it's in your body, you know, you can feel it. Um, and it's sometimes those feelings can kind of get trapped in there without a way to express them. And sand tray and sand play is a really good way to do that as well as art therapy and various other music therapy, drama therapy. So sand tray refers to the therapist working with the child more directively and consciously to address a particular problem. So the child might go to see a therapist and they're having difficulties with being, I don't know, very scared of spiders, for instance, off the top of my head. Um, and the therapist would actually 
direct the way that they were going to work. There'd still be a lot of freedom within that, but they would direct them knowing that that's the thing that they're dealing with. Sand play therapy is a Jungian approach where the therapist is largely non-directive. So the child is totally leads the sessions and they explore the sand and their unconscious material is allowed to surface and become integrated. This kind of sand play can be incredibly powerful and someone with therapeutic training needs to hold the process and receive um, clinical supervision in order to work safely. So sand sand is can be a bit confusing because there's so many kind of sand words but basically sand tray or sand play therapy is definitely for therapists to do it's not something that you would do with your own children even if you were a trained therapist you wouldn't do it with your children because there's too too much kind of transference to you're too involved so sand trained story making stays very much on the kind of conscious level so you're not delving into any kind of deep emotional stuff although you may touch on those things it will be in a more conscious way um, so sand tray story making is a free and creative process which can address kind of minor difficulties on conflicts or not it may not even have to address any difficulties at all it might just be a fun thing to do but it still needs an aware adult to keep the process in the conscious and subconscious, which is just below the conscious. It's stuff that you might not be aware of in that moment, but you are, you're still aware of it in, on some level. And what you don't really want is for children to go into those unconscious realms. Um, sand train story making needs a structure for this to stay safe. Um, a contained space, simple miniatures and directed prompts are needed to get started. Careful listening, reflection, re reflection and responding from an adult so that, so that the story feels heard. I'll go on to that in a minute as well. Um, any direction from the adult is minimal and it's used as a way into the story. So it's just the adult really is just there to support. Um, what resources do you need? So you need sand tray therapists have a sand tray of quite particular dimensions. It's quite big. Um, it's usually wooden and it has a blue painted base on the inside and that represents water. Um, you don't have to use that for these purposes. It is quite nice. The bigger, bigger box you can have, the better really up to, you know, you can't see it on the screen, but at least that big um but you i would say don't go any smaller than a kind of a3 size you want it big enough so that you can add lots of elements into the tray um, you can also use any kind of contained space so you could use a board which you uh, a plain board as long as it's kind of got an edge to it or some kind of frame so there was a photo that showed earlier um and I did something with um, somebody I knew on the beach and we just literally got some driftwood and we put it into a rectangle so that that became the space for the sand work. Um, you need some sand, obviously. Um, dry sand or slightly damp. Um, 
very wet sand is avoided because wet sand tends to it kind of um, encourages people to go much deeper so you on the whole you avoid it for this kind of work um, obviously there's many children that find sand actually quite difficult um, on a sensory level so you can use alternatives like uh, dried lentils or dried rice or kinetic sand, although that would probably be quite expensive to get large amounts of it. Um, anything that you can kind of move and, and shape and put your hands into, really. Uh, and then you also need a range of simple symbols, which again, I'll go on to in a minute. So there's an example of, I think that's a, a tough tray and you quite often see them in edu educational settings. And also, I think they were originally used to mix cement in, but they're quite large. And that might work really well if you were working with siblings or small groups up to maybe four. Uh, and I think that particular picture looks like the story of um, the Billy Goat Scruff being acted out. But that's that's a very specific story. We're not we're not doing that with this. Um, this is more the size of the sand tray. I, I don't know if you can see that well enough. Um, that's a blue painted therapist sand tray. So symbols, you can actually be very 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 simple with it so you can just have some natural materials such as leaves and sticks and pebbles um, because as I'm sure you all know children can make anything into anything so they can represent people or animals just by using a particular leaf or different size leaves different size twigs so that's kind of pretty much free if you if you don't have sort of much of a budget you can just collect stuff from the garden, from your walks, anywhere you can find stuff. But also, hang on, oh, there's a photograph. So there's, for instance, just a small collection of like pebbles, some glass beads, some shells, anything that you can find. And then also, if you want to, you can find objects to use. Very often, you can use many toys that children already have. Um, so you can use people. And it's good to have something from each of these categories. You don't have to have a huge collection. You can have sort of 30 symbols altogether, but ideally something from each category. So you'd have people like, I don't know, Playmobil people, Lego people. As long as they're relatively small, you want them to be small enough to fit into the whatever size tray. Um, so they, that might be family figures. It could be fantasy figures, witches, wizards, anything like that um, and also it's quite useful to have some conflict figures depending on how you feel about that um, such as little soldiers or warriors of some description because you want you want the child to be able to express a whole range of different emotions and different stories um, and then any kind of animals so sea creatures birds dinosaurs insects um, wild and domestic animals pets anything uh, as just as as many as you can fit from those categories um, vehicles are really good any kind of car train airplane helicopter um, fences and gates again are really really good um, sticks lollipop sticks can be made into gates and fences or um, pebbles, anything. 
Um, also little houses or bridges. So you might have a set of little wooden blocks. You could take the houses you sometimes get in those sets. Um, bridges too. Uh, I know pets at home have a fine collection in their uh, fish tank section. Um, but you, again, you can make them out of anything. Um, and then some kind of representation of trees and plants and flowers. So that could be the real thing or it can be models of. Um, and just a particular for me, it's just a must. But again, you don't really you don't necessarily have to is some kind of treasure chest and, che and treasure. It's very, very popular with children. The idea of seeking treasure. So even if it's like a matchbox and then a few little bits of something in there that shine, anything, a bit of old jewellery. Um, basically, once you start getting into any kind of sand story making, you find yourself in charity shops um, picking out way too much stuff. So there is a warning with that, that once you start collecting all these little symbols, it's hard to stop. Um, there's the treasure chest. And the people as well, you can buy um, plain sets of peg people and then you can paint them yourself. Um, that's quite a nice thing to do. Or just leave them plain even because they'll still represent different um, ages of people. What do you need to know? that there definitely needs to be an adult to witness the story. It's not the kind of thing that you set off and then just kind of leave them to it. It's really good to have an adult there to support them. They, uh, the adult may need to offer some prompts to get started. So you may find that a child will just dive straight in and they'll just go, you won't even have to say anything. They'll just start telling a story in the sand. Um, I, I with self-directed education, you know, you don't want to kind of, tell the child that they're going to do a story you want them to naturally want to do that but there are kind of ways to just offer little prompts just to kind of get somebody started uh, so you might say once upon a time even or long long ago in the woods I wonder what might have happened in this land or you know just kind of wonder about what might happen and then just let it start um, the adult will need to respond appropriately I'll go on to that again in a minute as well. Um, and the story may be verbalised or it may not. So some children just work very quietly in the sand and become very absorbed. And some children will actually do a running commentary as they, as they make the story. Either way, they really just need to be listened to and the adult shouldn't, really, shouldn't interject or at that point... Um, they just need to listen to whatever they're saying in, a, in, a, in an accepting way. The storyteller will need to be kept at a conscious level of play. Again, I'll kind of talk a bit more about that later. Um, a word of warning <laughs> is that some children may touch on unconscious material and it's advisable for the adult to subtly keep them at a more conscious level of play. This is particularly important if you're with your own children, as it's very difficult for parents to view their child's story completely objectively. Um, obviously, we're so close, we can be so close to our children that it, it, it is just extremely, you're so kind of tied in with their emotions and your emotions that it can be quite hard to separate them sometimes. So a child's deeply emotional content 
can actually sometimes trigger a strong response in a parent or any adult. Um, a neutral adult, such as a trained therapist, would be needed to hold this type of story safely. So if you feel like your child is really struggling very deeply with something and they're very upset about something, there's been a bereavement, it's probably this isn't suitable for those kind of situations and you, you would need to look at something different for that. So when it comes to listening to the story, the general guidelines for listening include just giving the person telling their story in the sand your undivided attention so kind of they call it sort of grounding in presence actually being totally present not thinking about having to cook dinner or anything else but just really looking at their body language their facial expressions and what they are actually creating listening with attention too so again like I said they might be silent but if they are talking just really listen to what they're saying no interrupting or it's particularly not interpreting their story that's a that's really important um and obviously the younger the child it may not be a totally coherent story but that it doesn't matter it's not important at all it's it's what they want to say and then when they've actually finished being able to offer some appreciative feedback and maybe ask for some clarification if there's something that you don't quite understand about their story you can just say oh you know I'm not quite sure did you you know who's this person again I, I wasn't quite clear or just just asking for them to be a bit clearer um, expanding the story so once that story has come out and it's in the tray you may want to encourage the story maker just to explore their stories and support them to experiment, to make changes, to expand the narrative. So you might kind of say, I wonder what might happen if, if that, I'm trying to think of an example. <laughs> if somebody did a story in the sand and then you could say to them, oh, I wonder what would happen if the next day or some, you know, you could, get them to kind of project into the future what would be different about that story or if a bad character was in their story in some way a kind of um, evil wizard or something and uh, and uh, I don't know princess you might say what might happen if the wizard hadn't been there that day or you know you can always you can encourage them to just change the story it doesn't have to be set you know at the end of 10 minutes that's it they they should be encouraged to to evolve the story so where it might lead and i'm sure that there's many many more ideas than the list that i'm about to put up um once they've built their story in the sand they very often actually want to record it in some way. So the personal nature of the story makes it very valuable to them and they'll often want to find a way to preserve it um, and they may want to expand it in some way. So this could be achieved by just taking photographs and then they could maybe refer back to that and then if they 
doing another story another day they've got a record of their first story and it could be that they want to do the next episode and then they can look at the photographs to remind them and then they can carry on that might not be the case it might just be a single story and that's fine too um, they could do some sketches or make a map of what they've actually um, done in the sand so they can just map out where the figures were what happened where people were going any movement um, they might want to just tell the story and record them actually saying telling the story they might want to write it write it as a story or a play make an animation of some sort so maybe take some of the elements of the story and do little drawings and then animate a version of it they might want to make their own symbols for future stories so they might use some clay or air drying clay or play-doh and actually make their own things to go into a story for another time or they might just turn it into role play with their friends they might actually become the characters in their story or do a puppet show and that's just a, a few i'm sure there's many more things that could could come from it um i think maybe at this point um joe if there's any questions now before we go on to the next bit that might be worth having a look at okay does anyone have any questions for carol at this point Yeah. Just go for it. Sorry, I can only see little screen. So if anyone's got. Could I have a little bit more clarification of the distinction between work that's good with therapists and work that you can do at home? Okay. I... Um, so it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it is quite difficult to explain, but I'll do my best. So the work that you would do at home, like I said, so it's not therapy. It's just about telling stories and it's about, um, while children are telling their stories that that's naturally good for their well-being but it's not specifically aimed at a particular problem so it's just about you know if a child maybe had a bit of a bad dream that they might do a story about that in the sand and that would help relieve any kind of feelings from having had that bad dream um, it might be being a bit scared to go to the dentist for instance you know just kind of quite small issues nothing nothing too major um, a therapist would work with children who have really you know have had a bereavement have been bullied have had um, very sort of specific problems that really affect their everyday life um, so it's kind of hard to explain in such a short presentation, but um, yeah, thank you. That's good. Is that does that help at all, or can I? Yeah, thank you. That's very helpful. No, thank you. <laughs> Carol Marcellus asks: Is there a particular age range that this works with? Would you offer it to children in, of secondary school age? Yes, you can. I mean, you can. So, sand sand tray can work with any age, and it can work with adults. Um, that also is the case for therapy as well. That sand tray therapy is used with adults, young people and children. Um, it will depend on the child. They may think that it looks a bit childish, but many children won't. It depends how you kind of introduce it, I suppose. But there's no reason why any age can't, can't use it at all. Yeah. And 
and there's another question here for you. If a child struggles to use symbols to stand for something else, for example, if they're very literal due to autism, how could you get them going? I suppose try to make sure that the symbols you have can be used very literally. So actual people, actual cars that will represent. So avoid the kind of leaves and the, the sticks and the pebbles, but actually have from that list I had of the categories, try and have some people, some cars, some fences, some trees, and, and have actual definite objects that represent what they want them to. Thank you. And um, would you say this is, it's a mixture of therapeutic and for pleasure? That's sort of the purpose Yes, it is. Like I said, not a very deep level, but yeah, it is therapeutic. It's very relaxed. It's like um, any kind of um, creative activity is therapeutic. It just, it's something that takes you into another space and another kind of almost like a different time zone. It's relaxing. You get to express something. Something comes out that maybe was in and was bothering you to a certain extent. So it is therapeutic, but just on quite a, a light level. And Rowan, you've got a question. Yeah, um, you said that there needs to be an adult to witness the play. So in terms of it being kind of for pleasure as well as for therapeutic purposes, it sounds like the setup would be great to just have for children to play with by themselves as well. Could you explain a little bit more about there needing to be an adult and, and whether this can also be um, yeah, part of a setup for a children's space? Yeah, I suppose the difference with the kind of, I, I understand what you're saying that obviously it's lovely because children play anyway. You're not going to, you know, if you have that, um, those things available, they're going to play with them. Um, but I suppose when you have an adult and you actually get the, you could kind of have, you could have a kit that was just for free play. But then you might have a kit with more specific symbols that is very special that's just kind of for that particular time when you so there's a kind of a kit that's especially to express a story and then a kit for free pay I mean they can kind of overlap, but do you see what I mean that you you just make it into quite a special time because it's more likely when an adult when a child is being listened to that it's going to be therapeutic if that makes sense does that answer your question <laughs> yeah it does i'm curious about it but that answers it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and can i ask a question cal with in your experience have you found this is something that needs to be done one-on-one -on -one? or if you're working with a group of children or with siblings could you set them up on individual sand trays but then you have the sort of divided attention or is it something that collaboratively could be done with several children? I would say it's probably better for them to have individual sand trays it depends on their kind of age and the dynamics between them I remember um, quite a while ago that my when my children were younger, my son and daughter did do a tray together. Um, and it wasn't in a kind of therapeutic way. Like you were saying, they were more just sort of, I bought the sand tray in and the symbols and they just wanted to have a look at them and they ended up doing a story together. But on other days that really wouldn't have worked because they obviously would have had different ideas and a different story to tell. So if you can get some smaller trays um, so that they can have them individually. 
and you can you know there is no reason why you couldn't do a group story in some way where they have to do different parts of the story you know it's not set in stone there are lots of different ways this could be interpreted um it's just generally those kind of stories that are very personal um and have feelings involved with them it's really nice for the adult to be there for it to be quite a nice special time um one-to-one -one is really lovely for that because so often children don't always get that one-to-one -one time but obviously it's not always possible so if there are siblings and they're able to do that together but possibly separately like I said there's no absolute fixed fixed rules to it you'd have to work it out for your individual situation okay great thank you um Sophie and Rowan I was just wondering, Carol, in your experience um, with this, do you see difference in people like based on their personality in terms of how they take to the medium? I'm just imagining that um, this might feel great for some folk, but not all children would find it helpful. Um, like other things, like how some people find, you know, different ways of expressing resonate yeah. more strongly. And um, yeah, I just wondered um, how much variation you see so that, um, yeah, it's not just like do this is a thing that will work for all children kind of thing. Yeah, no, so I don't explore I, that a little bit. Yeah, I doubt you could ever say it would work for all children. I mean, definitely the whole thing about the feeling of the sand. When I work with children in play therapy, there are some children that do sand tray every single week, and that's all they do. Other children avoid it completely; don't even go anywhere near it. Um, and some do some of the time. So it is very much. I think sometimes as well in a therapeutic situation, some children are not ready. They, they sense that it's quite a, can be a powerful thing to do and they're not ready to do that. So again, that's kind of different in that situation, but in the story making situation, yeah, it, it will suit some children and not others, but I think it is really useful for children that maybe struggle a bit with telling a story. Um, and maybe they'll never want to tell stories, but, you know, there are some that they could tell some amazing stories. And I have had children at schools that they've got this rich storytelling going on in their head and their teachers aren't even aware of it. They, they have no idea because they, they can't speak it or write it down. And it's really for those children that I feel it would really work. And also without completely generalizing but in my experience of doing art workshops um i used to work a lot with willow and i found a lot of the time that boys that thought they were no good at art really really took to sculpture because they really loved the three-dimensional aspect of it and it can be a bit similar with sand tray as well that it can just be a really good way in for boys. I mean, all children, that is really generalising, but I've, it's what I've noticed, um, that once things are in three dimensions, it starts to make more sense and they can actually physically make things happen and the story's taking place in front of them. It's a very different thing to writing. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's another question for you here, Carol. How do you keep things on a conscious level only? Is it simply not using it in situations where deep emotions are involved, such as a bereavement, or are there signs to look out for during the play? And if they come up, how do you deal with that? So 
In that, the best way to answer it, really. So in sound play therapy, when generally when a child is kind of going more deeply into the unconscious, they tend to go, tend to be more quiet for a start. They tend to, it will be after a certain amount of time. So with sand story, I would say keep it for quite a short amount of time because people rarely go straight into the unconscious. It's usually after a certain amount of time. So just by having the adult there responding as well and kind of talking about... Yeah, there is some, I'll go on to that, I think, at the end. Um, there are ways of responding that can really help to keep them thinking about what it is they're doing. Um, there's a really good book, and I've put it up at the end, called Say What You See. And it's just a very, 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 very short book, and it just talks about that's literally what you're doing. So when, um, let's say, a child puts into the tray a lion dinosaur um, and a tree as they were doing that you might just say oh I see that you've put the dinosaur in that corner and you're not saying anything about it you're just tracking what they do so you just mention quietly that you can see what they're doing and that helps them to keep in the conscious um, it is quite a complicated subject the, con the whole thing about the conscious and the unconscious um, and at the end as well I give details that, that I, I'm doing online and in-person courses as well which are for two days and that would that's the kind of time scale where you would delve a bit deeper into those things um, yeah sure. it, yeah it is it is quite tricky to but it is basically it's about keeping keeping it so that they're thinking about what they're doing and not letting it go for too long and just being aware of their body language. You know, if they really look very, very absorbed and very emotional, maybe on the faces that you would just sort of say, Oh, and then start to talk a little bit more about what you notice that they're doing. I mean, there's no guarantee that you can always stop somebody going into the unconscious. And that if they do, it's not, a huge disaster you know it's nothing to be frightened of but it's just something that is it's the kind of situation that you kind of you want to avoid because of the feelings that come up and if you are a parent of being able to deal with that because it might be connected to your family your family situation so it, it, it's just proceed with a bit of caution really and just try and keep it relatively short and talk about what it is that you see them doing Okay. Thank you. Are there any further questions for Carol? Okay. Lovely, Carol, if you want to keep going. So um, as a kind of quick exercise, just to see how it might feel to make up a story quite quickly, um, I thought we'd just have a look at some symbols um, so that you actually have the experience of hearing the story within you come out and to realize that we each have our own stories. So then the next three slides, I don't know whether you might need to jot this down, but there'll be three slides and there'll be three images on each slide. 
if you can just pick the one without thinking too much about it which appeals to you the most and make a note of that choice either mentally or on a bit of paper um, we'll go through each slide so you'll have three different things by the end of it and then Joe is going to put you into little breakout rooms in pairs or in groups of three and you'll have literally five minutes to make up a story and then another five minutes just to share that story with the other person so it's going to be really really quick don't want you to think about it too much so just as a really general again please don't think about this too hard but you've got like the opening introduce some kind of character then something negative some sort of crisis might happen and then there'll be something positive will happen a little bit of a test a challenge and then some sort of transformation at the end so i'll just leave that up for a minute but again please don't think too hard about it that's a very vague sort of structure you don't have to do that but um so you've got kind of the beginning introduce the characters something bad happens something good in order to change it okay and then the next one We have a bridge of some sort, a volcano and a raft. Looks like a bit of a, well, quite a calm sea, but a bit of a storm maybe in the background. So a bridge, a volcano or a raft. Okay. And then the final one, we have a rose, a sword and a rope. So, Joe will put you into your groups and then we'll come back in 10 minutes. Um, basically, at the end of that 10 minutes, if there is anybody that would just like to, I will quickly make up a story myself. And then if there's anyone else who would like to share their story, just a couple of you, that would be lovely. Um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Okay, so good luck. Well, hopefully some really good stories came out of that one. Um, um, I will start off with my story, if you like, very quickly. And then maybe a couple of you could volunteer to tell yours as well. So mine, I decided to choose the wizard and the bridge and the rope. Once upon a time, there was a magical wizard he was very wise, but he needed an important piece of information so that he could become king of the wizards. He looked up to the sky for inspiration and saw a huge eagle. The eagle landed and said that he would show him the way to Wisdom Mountain. He flew up and was able to see the landscape below and the path to the mountain. So the wizard set out, and he, but he came across an abyss with a bridge, a rope bridge across it. As he walked across, the bridge broke, and the wizard plunged down below into the abyss. Luckily, the eagle was able to find a rope, and he flew down, gave him the rope, flew back to the top, tied it to a rock, and managed to pull the wizard out. The wizard was able to continue on his way, he got to the mountain, found the last missing piece of information, and later that day he was crowned King of the Wizards. The end. 
So anybody else? If anyone wants to, they can email me the story because it's always fun to see people's stories. Um, yeah. And obviously, all of those stories will be very different, even though they've come from a source of just a, a handful of cards. Um, and when you have the symbols in the sand, it's even better because they're just real tangible objects that you can hold in your hand and move and see. Uh, so do remember that although this technique is simple, it's advisable to do some further research about sand tray and sand play so that you can be fully aware of what you're witnessing when a child tells their story in the sand. I do offer a two-day training. Certainly, you don't have to do it. Um, and it's in, in person and online. It will be available in September. But also, there's some really good books that I recommend you read before you do this with your children. Um, there's my website. I'm thinking maybe Joe might be able to email you this PowerPoint, possibly. I'm not sure. Um, but at least my contact details, if you want them, it's up to you. Uh, it's my email address yeah, and I'll, I'll put the website oh sorry oh. i'll put your website up on the freedom to learn network and okay. facebook page as well so people can access and maybe from there if you'd like the powerpoint just email carol and she'll be able to send it directly to you would that be all right with you carol? yeah that's absolutely fine and actually strangely i was sure i had a page with um some books on that were really useful as well so i have a, a small uh, book list it's only three books but if anybody wants those i don't know where the slide went um you're welcome you're welcome to get in touch and i'll send you the list so um yeah is there any more and there's a question here is there anywhere that you can see a video of children doing the sand story um, there are videos on YouTube, I think, of sand play therapy. I'm not sure about this in particular. I will have a look, and if I can, I will put it up there. I'll put it somewhere. But also, as part of my training, I'll be doing a video of myself with my friend's child. <laughs> um, so at some point, there will be a video if you can't find one already. Um, and then... I'll either I'll put that on my website probably or my Facebook page with permission of course of the parents um so yes is the answer hopefully soon if you can't find one okay, okay. there's another question about purchasing um sand trays so that they're quite expensive the wooden ones and is there somewhere yeah. to get a sort of lower budget one for home use I've got some A3 size really useful trays and I think they are eight pounds and they're the ones with the kind of plastic clip handles and you can put some blue foam or card on the lid and then put the box on top of the lid and then you get a blue base. Okay. An oven cleaning yes, tray yeah. for twelve pounds yeah. from Lakeland here. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> and there's various other options, but yeah, um, you don't have to spend lots of money on a tray. No. Or like I said, you can just draw a frame or have a piece of board. You know, it's not quite the same, but it's it, you don't have to have sand even if you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Any any other questions? Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freedom to Learn podcast. For more information about our work, check out our website at freedomtolearn.uk and find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.